Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Hamblett from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where it will be Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views, we have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamper and Sir. We are gathered here to... Oh, we are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about wrestling cliches that have to go. I suppose the alternative heading for this would be how to save WWE, because this is 100% part <laughs> of their product, particularly on Monday sodding nights. Hamper, why don't you start us off? Actually, I'm going to give you the opportunity to start us off by ah. talking the way that they talk. I can't talk the way that they talk, Adam Wilbong, because I'm a human being. Uh, and you, thankfully, aren't in my ear while I'm speaking to you, telling me exactly what to say to ensure that the production of this podcast is as polished as possible. And look how many peas I just said there for that alliteration. Hey. Vincent Mann would love me on his staff. Yeah, it's um, not a new thing. It's not a hot take. Um but every week, especially on Raw, as you pointed out, but we can't pretend it's not on NXT and SmackDown too. Sludge filters into our ear like it is being filtered into the ears of the commentary team themselves by Vince McMahon himself, because this is all him. Um, in a sort of stark contrast to the band list that mm. we know gets the odd tweaks and updates, um, there is seemingly a thing called the like promoted list. Mm. which is the stuff that you absolutely can say as often as you want. A one we used to have a lot of fun with before and because we know they listen. They seem to have honestly got rid of it now. Is Do you remember Raw Rolls On? Mm-hmm. And how every dive would be followed by a Raw Rolls On? And then, thanks for listening, WWE. To counteract that, briefly, they made every match a two out of three falls match. <laughs> because, which was an overreach, but that, that got rid of Raw Rolls On. So I wonder... If by doing this podcast or by referencing it every Monday on Raw because we have to, we can eradicate switching gears oh. from current vernacular. I wonder if bringing it up enough will force them to find a new way to transition and segue as delicately as you do on every single one of these podcasts we do, because I am in desperate need of something new. The example 
I used for this list, by the way, wasn't switching gears or wasn't rolling on. But it was, I wrote this list like a week after WrestleMania 37 and I had to turn, oh, all the way back to, that's right, the last episode of Raw to find an example of what I was talking about, which was, of course, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke saying that the count out just wasn't worth it. And then rather than questioning that, Byron Saxon, I believe it was, saying, they're right, Nia Jax is raging. It's just not worth it. If this is the language of your product, it's no wonder nobody wants to talk about it anymore. I just like you can go through the age old local medical facility title opportunity or championship opportunities. Now they don't say titles really, certainly mm-hmm. don't say belts. But you know, what? I think this also relates to something that we've we talked about when it happened, which was regardless of your feelings with him with certain other things. I did feel a little bit sorry for Riddle. And as much as, you know, Vince McMahon was like, oh, I still love him. What a guy sort of thing. I'm still convinced that Riddle, forgetting that promo that he had with Asuka, right? In arguably in any other company and arguably even in NXT would have got around it. But I think that the, the, the performers are so instilled with this fear of saying the wrong thing. They'd rather say nothing than say the wrong thing. So I reckon Riddle knew what he was he needed to say, but he'd forgotten the exact vernacular that he'd been given to say it, which also was probably going to be slightly problematic considering it was Asker he was talking to about robots or some bollocks. Mm. And I think that's the case. I think if you blank on a promo or an interview or anything, I think people would rather just look like a bit of a tit and walk off and just not say anything than accidentally say belt or whatever it is on that band list. Well, yeah. I mean, we only have to look at the examples where the wrestlers tried to get their perfectly scripted, um, overly verbose content out as to what happens. It's as, as you put it, like walk off saying nothing. I wonder if Kalisto wishes he'd walked off saying <laughs> nothing instead of rushed off saying uh, good, um, uh, good lucha things. Uh, ah, as he screamed off camera, possibly at a mirror or indeed at himself, a career dying in front of his very eyes. It's they don't, the scripting is so bad and obviously so micromanaged and so controlled, and we assume so rewritten hours before air that the content that barely makes sense to begin with makes even less sense coming out of the mouths of the performers. Mm. You aren't permitted to think that maybe, like Riddle, you know, we're not going to go into the, the other debates about Riddle, but. Ultimately, by forgetting those words and just laughing this thing off, he showed a side of his personality. Mm. And that thus differentiated him from virtually everybody else on the show talking about championship opportunities or saying, oh, I hope I can win tonight because although last week we said it wasn't worth it, this week it's to build momentum. Mm. Um, You know, like that's how they all talk. So Riddle behaving differently to everybody else suddenly put him above the chasing pack. It's so odd how this works. You want an excuse why I didn't say anything in my promo last week? All of you people don't deserve an excuse. <laughs> I, you know, I always lean, I was lean on this one example over the desks on Twitter in every article I can get away with. But Raw 25, when they gave Steve Austin no words, it was like, like somebody was going to pay for that, and that somebody happened to be Mike Rome. Yeah, Steve Austin cutting that this before. Go and watch it. Steve Austin cutting that unscripted promo on Mike Rome about 
you dragged me all the way to Brooklyn, to the Barclays Center, and you got to ask me one question. He's obviously just livid that he's not been given anything to say out in front of the live crowd. So he grabs him by the scruff of his cheap suit and starts talking about how he drew money. And like, he stops just short of saying, you know, when people actually watch this show, I was a big part of that. It's just short of burying the whole company in the process because there's nobody else to take out his very obvious frustrations on, on being given nothing to say. They cannot script Steve Austin because Steve Austin, fortunately, is Steve Austin. So when he goes out there and tries to read a script, such as on 316 Day, it's a good job the only person in the audience to react to it was Byron Saxton because otherwise it wouldn't have gone over. It was like ridiculous and obnoxiously bland dialogue that you give it to one of the great natural talkers in the industry's history. Well, that actually allows me to transition very nicely into our next point of cliches that have to go. And it's not necessarily opening promos at the start of every show, although that is without question an issue with WWE. And yes, all of your favourite shows will will have maybe probably uh, previously on whatever. Hmm. But that's (laughs) about a minute at best that they do for that. But this leads into a wider point because if you take away and if you take away my Roman Reigns opening promos at the start of SmackDown, I don't know what I'll do with myself because I need that. (laughs) That's a staple in my diet. But bigger picture is baby faces and they're in exposition. They're baby steps through every single step of of what's happened. Despite the fact we either got shown it at the opening of the show we remember because I've got a brain in my nut. God, yeah. I, just, I want to compliment you on your segue there. I really appreciate it and why how we switched gears mm. to talking about something different. But um, yeah, this is a, I want to say it's a modern phenomenon, but like WWE has been in stasis. So it's been around about 20 years now. The roots of this are in a, I believe, a meeting that Vince McMahon had in, it was either 1995 when Nitro had started or 1996 when Nitro was absolutely pummeling raw. But I believe it was with um, a woman by the name of Kay Kopovitz at USA Network, who was a great ally of Vince McMahon's and possibly might still be involved there now when there's a big, like, ardent supporter of WWE and this relationship that the two have had going back decades, the network and WWE. And the, there was lots of little details that she gave Vince advice on and how Raw not could just improve as a show, but could beat Nitro in the ratings. Mm-hmm. So like weird stuff you would never think of. Like they remember like the move from Raw to Roy's War. You got the big Titan Tron. You've got like what looks like a suddenly massive arena, even if it's only half full. Like the perception is reality. Looks like it's the big stage. It's the big show again. You're not just in high school gyms anymore. Loads and loads of pyro. I know it's expensive, but it's going to make your stars look bigger. Loads of pyro. And then the smoke doesn't clear. So pay for machines that clear the smoke. So that when people turn on your show, if they're channel hopping or if they flipped over from Nitro, they're not seeing this fog where they can barely make out your wrestlers. Like really quite interesting little details about what make a difference in the quarter hours. You know, the sort of stuff that you see in spreadsheets by uh, like sort of Chris Harrington for AEW today. You know, you just don't know these things that might work as a little extra added advantage. One of those, she said, was that you are fighting from underneath at the moment. People are not watching week to week, so you need to keep them filled in if they've only just tuned in for the first time, which was happening as the product grew. More and more people were coming back for to WWE after the first time years, or indeed just discovering it for the first time. So they were needing pieces put in place of them to have, make them feel caught up. That has mutated in present day to this roughly 
the same two million people watching this show that were watching it back when it was in the doldrums in 1996. Like, we're all the same. I'm saying we. I'm not, like, separating myself. Yeah. The same two million people that watch every minute regardless. Some of us, lucky enough, get to talk about it for a living or write about it for a living. But the fans watch it every week. They need it least... And this show is immune to finding new viewers. So the stuff that this was designed for 25 years ago exists in the form of Drew McIntyre going 20 minutes in his lovely Scottish lilt. About, so last week on Raw, Bobby Lashley, when you came out and you said to me, Drew McIntyre, at the pay-per-view next Sunday, I want to fight you in a no-holds-barred match. Last week when you did all those things, and then I replied to you, Bobby Lashley at the pay-per-view, <laughs> I will accept your challenge on one condition. Like, all of that was designed for people that were just finding it for the first time and were far more captivated by characters that didn't speak like that. So if you did find WWE, you found it for Steve Austin, just talking you into the building and being electrifying. And then a video package, as you say, a minute here or there, be like, or a commentator would say, well, here's why Steve Austin's so pissed off with Bret Hart, just in case you weren't watching. Well, here we go to the match. Here's this week's yeah. stuff. It is a mutant version of the thing that actually made quite a lot of sense once upon a time mutated in the extreme and for the people that need it least, which is us, the long-suffering devotees of this thing. And because of Raw's third hour, you double up. So you don't just get the promo, you get the video package. You don't just get the opening video package, you get the promo that follows it immediately afterwards. They leave absolutely nothing to chance. And it makes the show... Well, it, like, it's honestly, it's it's an insomniac's cure. It is. Like, it's, it's there to put you to sleep because you cannot cope with it you can't you, your brain can't be like well i've just imagine if films were laid out that way like it might like now films have to like start hotter than they used to so like like the we're supposed to have a short retention span than they used to so there's got to be like an exciting sometimes a cold open exciting scene as a necessity imagine if that's exciting cold open happens and you get the credits and then you get it again in case you've forgotten <laughs> like that's every episode of monday night raw yeah it's just and we talked about it on the Raw Review literally this week. I felt like, and I don't want to have a pop at them because I think they're, they're one of the few good things on Raw, or they certainly were. MVP and Bobby Lashley cut the same promo. Not only that they cut last week, but that they cut an hour ago on Raw, which was like, I'm, I'm Bobby Lashley, I'm WWE champion, and I don't want to have to fight in a triple threat match because I could lose without getting pinned later on. MVP speaking for Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is WWE champion. Just because he's in a triple threat at WrestleMania Backlash a week on Sunday, that means he could get pinned and, and, and lose the title, and that wouldn't be fair. And I was like, sorry, have I like fallen asleep or gone back in time? Or, you know, what's going on here? It's ridiculous. And, and like you say, the weirdest one is when they have something to open the show, which is normally, like I say, a, a promo interruption, et cetera, et cetera. And I realise I watch a bit of a blur on a Tuesday morning, maybe on double speed through, through some of it. But it feels like 10 minutes pass and they go, well, in case you missed it, it's missed at the start of the show. And I'm like, <laughs> who's tuning in now? It's literally been 15 minutes, for God's sake, lads. It's just preposterous. And also, like you say, it doesn't help that it's the baby faces that this leans upon. Like like you say, if they can... Of course, a good example. My wife at the moment is watching entourage the tv show uh which hasn't aged well let's be honest um but i've watched that series two three four times like i I used to love it back in the day 
And I'll walk down and Ari Gold's there and he's this manager and he's just he's just this hothead and he'll come in and he'll be effing and jeffing about something. But he doesn't go, I'm angry at you, this person, because you did this to me. He comes in, he's effing and jeffing. And I go down to the missus and go, what's he angry about now? And she goes, oh, it's this guy. He's stolen the client off him. There you go. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's an overreaction from him, but I know his motivations. The fact that it takes 20 minutes and, you know, when did... When did the era, and I know this isn't the central point of it, but when did the era of we're going to open the show with the promo really begin? You're more of a historian with this sort of thing. So that would be that aforementioned era, that 1997 um, period where uh, Raw was trying to fight back and work out the ways in which it could possibly drag some audience members over from Nitro or at least get them. So this, like, it goes beyond just a show opening promo. Raw, I don't know if it still happens in America. Um, listeners can let us know. But you had things like Nitro would start at um 59 past the hour instead of on the hour. Ah. So then Raw went to, then Raw went to 58 and then Nitro went to 57 and stuff like that. So it was all about that, like how vital that first quarter hour was. So once you got into the era of um the NWO on Nitro, uh, who would typically appear at the because Nitro went to two hours first, of course, like would typically appear at the top of the second hour, right as Raw was starting. Like, stay right here because this is what you've been shooting for in the first place. Um, Rob would have to counter when they finally started getting people over, like the likes of Steve Austin, but get him out there straight away. Like, get into just absolutely like just this intoxicating relationship with the live crowd, make it so that you want to stay put to see what Steve Austin's got to say. Sure enough, he's going to set up a match for later in the night, which in itself would become this dangerous. Oh, there's no main event booked. Well, that's good luck. But like at the time, it was just obviously this obvious hook of like Steve Austin's here and What's he going to do? And tonight he's going to take on so and so. So yeah, like it kind of the origins of it are, are roughly rooted in that. But again, it was that it was never. We've only become more patronised by our media sources as a as a like sort of as a people, unfortunately. Um, but WWE typically has taken it to ridiculous WWE extremes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. That links me to something I want to talk about next. This WWE, all this dovetailing together, it's amazing when you take five <laughs> plan out your show uh, into this convenient card of uh, of WWE's. I <laughs> tongue in cheek heaped praise on WWE Monday Night Raw this week because I said, Sige, you've been moaning about this show, but they opened the show, they promised the main event, and they delivered it. Yes, it had bollocks. Yes, it had shenanigans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for the first time in what feels like forever. You know, SmackDown is a different entity. Raw mm. said beforehand, this will be your main event. It will be Bobby Lashley versus either Drew McIntyre or Braun Strowman. They opened the show with the coin toss, because of course they did. We all know what you're doing in the week of blood and guts. And then they had that match. Yes, Drew McIntyre came out and sat ringside. And in the end, he was the one standing tall. But... It feels surreal when we preview Dynamite because we go, oh, what, what's going to be the main event? Is it going to be this match that we know is already announced? Or is it going to be this match that we know is already announced? And I, I can't think of many occasions where it's none of those things and it's something that happens on the fly. Whereas in WWE, if that was a plan, like if that was them laying it out beforehand, there's just a massive gap at the most crucial point of your show, or they think two goobers going five minutes is going to be the main event unless it gets shunted out of the way. Yeah, this is like, this is more of a debate than you might think. And I think it's because some people who know more than like, you'll forget more than we could ever know about promoting a wrestling show support it. Um, Eric Bischoff quite often on his 83 weeks podcast talks about how, in order for a wrestling show to feel live, 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 the actions have got to be spontaneous. Um, he acknowledges that there's a compromise to be had, but the idea is that it's unpredictable. Like you cannot, like you don't know what the main event's going to be, not because like a bad booking, which is how you've presented it and as is typically yes. the case, but because it's unpredictable. What he's referring to there is the heyday of Nitro, where he would book, he would announce that the NWO were going to be in action or they were going to be at Nitro, and then the NWO would take over the show, and the show would go off the rails. But you've promoted that the New World Order are going to be there because you'd be stupid not to, because that's what people are tuning in for, right? So I think that's where that gets a little bit mixed up. Again, It's we deal a lot in, like, hangovers from the Attitude Era because it's just the way, like, the style did suit the stars that were breaking through as mm. well. So, like, we talked about this on our very last um, Raw review. If you go back and watch Raw at its peak, there's a five guy promo train at the start of most shows but the difference is um every star is more over than the last which is why triple h always starts them every star is more over than the last <laughs> until, it peaks. until it peaks with like the rock being the last one the fans go nuts for all of them and the fans are like we've bought a ticket to see these 
five or six guys more than anybody else. We're already getting our money's worth because they're coming out and they're doing the catchphrases at us. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me there's going to be a six-man tag? That like At that point, the six-man tag is the icing on the cake because they've been giving the cake straight away because it's just cake, 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 cake. Like, that's what 22,000 is. It's just cake. Um, so, like, whereas now, like, it's gruel. It's all gruel. So you could do with that piece of cake at the end of the show because you've just been, your belly is just so full of gross gruel. And that's what they don't seem to understand is such a key difference about this. And as to sort of, to get away from the food analogy and to get back to your very salient point about how we're supposed to observe this entire universe in kayfabe, if all of this is real, which I don't think gets said enough. We're supposed to imagine that this is real, right? We're supposed to just switch our heads off for two or three hours at a time and imagine this to be real, right? It's a place of work. A wrestler turns up at three in the afternoon to appear on television where they're going to wrestle for a living. That's that's their job, right? I know that sounds weird, but that's their job. Yeah. The storyline, the, oh, I bumped into you backstage, or, oh, no, hang on, it's my turn for a title shot before it's yours. That's like supposed to be this inconvenience of the job that we just accept. Like every angle, like Randy Savage in kayfabe trains to become a pro wrestler, right? And he's like, I'm, I'm the strongest and I'm the toughest. And my elbow drop is, is better than anybody else's. Oh no, this guy with the snake has set his cobra on me. <laughs> like, that's how the, uh, I'm going to have to fight him instead. I was going to do this, but I, I want to do that now. That's it, right? That's fundamentally how this is supposed to work. So why then do you have 50 poor warehouse losers turning up at three in the afternoon? What are you doing tonight? Don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it'll turn up. Like I'm sure I'm sure I'll be given something to do. Like that sounds like a pretty sweet deal, doesn't it? You hear that the catering's pretty good. Like MVP loves to say, ah, oh, we saw you sat back there in catering. I, because it's the smartest room to be in. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's where the big brain people are in WWE. Get your free dinner, keep your mask on and get home. Yeah, like I, I just it's in kayfabe it, it, it doesn't make sense that the again let's pretend that crowds are back in the buildings wrestling is a wandering circus right imagine you are going to the circus tent with your wife for the night going to enjoy the night at the circus where on the poster they've got um it wouldn't be elephants anymore would it they've got fire eaters and tightrope walkers and people on stilts and various other like incredible feats and stunts and then at the start of the night the ringmaster's there in the ring and he's like right what do we think then what should we do anybody got any ideas and then the fire eater comes out and says, oh, I fancy eating some fire later on. <laughs> and then the ringmaster's like, well, I've got to be honest, I, t- I didn't have it in mind. So he just like eats a bit more fire and walks off and that's it. Like, he just doesn't get to do his bit. It's, just, like, it, it's so far removed from how all of this is supposed to work. And yet it's been around like 25 years or whatever, 20 years. It's such a long time that we've kind of just been forced to accept it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not one of those things where you say, well, what if they just, they shouldn't book a bad card. Like, if, you know, I get it. Yeah. If they booked Baron You watch Corbett. UFC. You watch UFC, right? Sometimes fights are dull. Sometimes yeah. fights are exhilarating. Sometimes, like a couple of weeks ago, you have like one of the great cards of all time because there's like three or four bangers. Sometimes it goes the total opposite way. That, theoretically, is how every episode of Raw should go. And that should determine whether or not a Raw hits. Luckily, wrestling's not real. So you can make every episode of Raw brilliant. That's what they're trying to do with Dynamite. Like Because it's not real, you can determine how those matches go. You yeah. see, she would be like, oh, God, all these cards, all these matches were rubbish tonight. If only if only we could fix this. Like, aren't WWE and AEW really lucky? And yet Raw comes out with this turgid dreck for three hours. And they're like, are they, are they, is this a shoot? Dana White doesn't show up on Fight Night. 
Joe Rogan's there going, well, what have we got tonight? He goes, I hope someone has a scuffle backstage <laughs> before the main event. Yeah, it just, it, like, and, and I really like the idea of, I think this is when we were talking about blood and guts uh, beforehand, of hmm. you can keep that element of liveness of just like, oh, bloody hell, we're not going to have time for this because yeah. this went over. We, like, it's not, oh, well, we've got 20 minutes left, so that's probably enough time for three more matches. Well, it isn't, unless you know two of those matches are going three minutes each. Do you remember when Seth Rollins in 2ighteen went about like four and a half hours in that um like gauntlet eliminator oh, yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, like you don't remember it that well because the match wasn't that good. It was just it was in there a long time. Like yeah. amazing show of like incredible cardio, wrestlers are superhuman, etc. etc. But the match wasn't that great. But the, the whole thing went like hour and a half I forget how long ages went absolutely ages what would have made that even better is if you knew the whole raw card in advance and then this six man all star gauntlet gimmick thing goes on and then all of a sudden backstage like a star that wasn't booked for it like a Randy Orton or something is like I lost my goddamn match tonight I'm not going to get paid because you guys went long you indulgent like little Mm -hmm. twats went long and now I've lost my like pay packet for the night and there's a feud like Randy Orton's livid with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, this gutsy babyface, having a performance of his life because another sporting competitor, also on the roster, lost his opportunity as a result. Yeah. And instead, it's just like it's almost presented as if, like, well, this is lucky because we had not lined up for that first hour. <laughs> Thank God, Seth went eighty minutes. Just really yeah. got us out of a jam. It's infuriating, uh, and you can't talk about wrestling cliches that have to go without mentioning the invisible camera and. Well, as you allude to in this uh, article of yours, what it's done to to wrestling in general. Yeah, like I wish we could go without talking about it because um, I would argue lately, AEW have done too much talking about it. I found the attempts to um, explain why a camera is watching wrestlers like a little bit insufferable. It takes me out like the wrestlers have to overact, the commentators have to talk around it too much. Like I... Uh, maybe not like maybe I'm not I, I won't speak for anybody else I'm relatively patient with it once in a while just don't take the piss like and by that I mean don't have every single one of your conversations take place in a gorgeously backlit arena corridor like isn't it convenient that WWE would go to like about 360 buildings a year but every time Kane was there the corridor would be red <laughs> Like, hasn't that worked out really nicely? And I will I will pump the brakes a little bit here because you and I lived through TNA and their secret recording <laughs> where I, I'm fairly certain the the microphone was invisible because I couldn't hear a thing that people were saying because they were at the other end of a sodding corridor. Love that because they never, like, in, interesting in concept. It was an interesting attempt to change the sort of the way things have been done because the whole, if anybody hasn't seen this, what Will Bourne's referring to, you've got two TNA characters down a corridor having a conversation, which we're not supposed to hear. And we're shown that by the visual aid of like the camera almost being behind a jar and a jar door. Yeah. So like, it's as if somebody is filming the, the secret conversations of the wrestlers as if to imply, well, now like the wrestlers that they're plotting against won't know the plan. And it's still wrong because the rest could just watch the show. That's how they know the plan. That's always the, the problem with the, the invisible camera is that just watch the show and you'll find out what they're doing. But my favourite way when they extended that further was when we started hearing the internal thoughts of Jeff Hardy. So he'd be there like, he'd be there like having a conversation with Hogan or something. And Hogan would be like, oh yeah, brother, 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 you're going to fight your brother. And Jeff Hardy, you'd suddenly like, Hulk Hogan would go, like, you'd be talking, but you'd just see his lips moving, and you'd go to Jeff's head, and he'd be like, 
what does the Hulkster want out of me tonight? I know he wants me to fight my brother, but what's his real agenda? And it was like, wow, like fair play to the camera crew. For, I don't know how they've done this. I don't know like what soundboard they've wired Jeff Hardy to, but I am into this. It, it, like Jeff Hardy again, like it's a bit like asking you to go along with Undertaker theatrics. He was the one guy that, eh, like if you really, really stretched, you could be like, all right, I can sort of see why like it's been given to Jeff Hardy and not like, uh, like not to sort of drag him, but like imagine if it was given to like Mr. Anderson instead. If I, oh, I'm a really tough guy. I, like all of his thoughts would be sort of fairly moronic and like, here's my Stone Cold voice. Here's my rock walk. Like and, uh, so just shouting his own surname in a mirror, stuff like that. Like Jeff Hardy was supposed to be this articulate and complex and interesting character. And that's why they gave it to him. Um, but yeah, they, so like, it was really cool when they first brought it, when they first brought the backstage onto the show. I've got very happy memories of, uh, well, I could end the sentence here, of Diesel. Um, I've got very <laughs> happy memories of uh, Diesel in 1996 while he was feuding with The Undertaker, dragging a cameraman backstage. Like, there was a raw match happening, and he dragged the cameraman from his job, because this is real, the cameraman's job was to film this raw match. It doesn't matter who it was about, Diesel didn't care dragged the camera on all the way down the aisle backstage so he could film him backstage smashing a coffin to bits with a hammer or an axe or something. I was like, that's brilliant because he wanted the Undertaker to see it. What's the point in smashing a coffin up backstage if the guy that you're trying to target doesn't see it, right? Makes total sense. Sid did it when he, uh, he powerbombed Jose Lothario's son to get to Shawn Michaels, who brilliantly was sat at the commentary table. So Sid's like, I got myself a cameraman and you're watching the monitor and look what I'm about to do to effectively your brother. Amazing, brilliant! Like it felt Flair was was is, was one of my oh, favorite. Oh god, it feels so transgressive, doesn't it? It feels like you're seeing something you're not supposed to. It's dangerous. It's so like. And if, like, if David Batista like, told me to film, stay there and film this, I would. Yeah. I'd probably empty my <laughs> yeah. trousers, empty myself in my trousers first. But also, should have been shaking, shouldn't it? Like this is a, only shaking like, down that I will allow in WWE. Done well. It's brilliant, um, but. AW's big promise about never doing it has meant some pretty, like, ineffective jumping through hoops. Young Bucks really guilty of it. Did the super kick Don Callis? Did they not? Does it turn out to not really matter now, considering where the storyline's gone? Like, it's all <laughs> a little bit clandestine. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's a WWE problem that's kind of been created for everybody else because for so long they've been the benchmark. So everybody, every new company that's come around has kind of been forced to follow that mould unless you try and figure a way to do it differently. Now, we've talked a lot about various obvious wrestling cliches here, but I want to finish on one that actually I think is an incredible shout from you. Um, that being not, you know, everyone gets a microphone or, oh, why can't you get in the ring because of the floor or anything like that. Baby faces, expensive cars. Jesus Christ, Wilborn. Like, right, I'm, I want to apologise in advance to that guy who left a five-star review. I'm assuming it was a, a male, probably entitled middle-class white male, who called <laughs> us all socialist Marxist cooks that need to keep their personal politics off of podcast, like words to that effect anyway. Yeah. Uh, I will share some guilt in that for maybe some of the political leanings that have occasionally snuck out in my analysis of pro wrestling. Baby faces. Like, you know the phrase, every man. 
You know that word, every man. Mm-hmm. There's a cl- there's a clever history to that word, and that is that you're supposed to represent every man. Imagine <laughs> that, right? Wrestling is so wrestlers are so detached from reality that I genuinely think they forget what real life is like. Sometimes mm-hmm. they look in the mirror and they see superhuman bodies. They go and do that job, and I couldn't do it. I'll fall on my back for a living. Could not do it. So I understand why there is a certain detachment. You have to detach yourself a little bit from reality. Because what if you got up one day and said, why why am I <laughs> dropping myself my back 30 times a night? That, that can't end well, can it? Let me go Google see, does bumping go well for old... Ra-? And then just scrolling down. Hip operations, back surgeries, deaths. Like, So I understand why you draw a thick line between yourself and reality because you become a pro wrestler it's a pretty cool way to make a living in one sense you've got to avoid a few things in doing so it feels like they forget a bit about how real life works um cars sounds like i'm just picking on cars and it especially sounds like i'm just picking on cody because the brother loves cars but i'm not it's it's a it's an overarching problem and i'll pick on drew mcintyre instead and and more specifically the scripting that called for him to have a go at amazon delivery drivers a, a few weeks ago yeah. on a night raw when those mothers are far more vital than wrestlers in this in this current version of the world and like let's be honest every version of the world if you put a poll up on twitter and every single person had to vote Get rid of one or the other, and you have to get and you, you have to keep to it. Amazon delivery drivers, pro wrestlers. I'm pretty sure I know that Amazon delivery drivers would win that hands down, right? So don't dig them out. But moreover, don't make me feel like I'm slime, like I'm scum. If you're a good guy, supposed to represent me by just flexing one of the most obnoxious advertisements of your wealth in the form of rich people buy rich cars that chew the fuel up because they can. Mm. Not because they're better than you or I or anybody else. It's all just because they can. And I do not want to see it from my good guys ever, ever. Like, it's a proper no-no for me. And this sort of reflects on the overall point that we've kind of made here of the fact that you can plan ahead with these things. Like, if someone Googles and finds out, wait a second, John Cena's got a Bugatti Veyron or whatever. That's one thing, Mm. because that... It's the money he's made, he's decided to invest in that. And I'm yeah, not, I don't life. like it. I don't like it when I hear politicians saying a quarter of a million pounds is chicken feed, right? Because it shows mm-hmm. how detached they are. Or like I distinctly remember years ago, a pop star moaning, saying, oh, I've kind of got it as bad as nurses because I have to get up and travel around <laughs> and sing songs and stuff, right? But that is a sl- either slip of the tongue or, you know, just not really being aware of your surroundings in that moment. They haven't planned ahead and gone, you know what I'm going to do in this interview? So I'm going to nail how hard it is to be a bloody pop star compared to those <laughs> those nurses who've just got it bloody easy down there. The fact that they plan it out and go, tell you, what, tell you what's going to make them look good is um, get a Ferrari in because uh, everyone wants to own a Ferrari <laughs> and, uh, well, everyone will be jealous of them and therefore they'll be over. So, yeah. Well, this is it, right? You've Jealousy. Like, it's that full aspirational content where how did Ric Flair and the Horsemen get over in the 80s? Diamond rings, limousine riding, my shoes cost more than your house. I don't want the good guy to say that. Like, <laughs> I, want, I want Dusty Rhodes to tell me that he has like wined and dined with kings and queens, but also he slept in gutters and eaten pork and beans. That's the point of it, right? It's, it's okay, as you say, for John Cena to have this, like, this slew of fancy cars in his drive I just don't need him to be like sort of 
Like he comes out dressed like he's just been to the merch stand when he wrestles. That's, <laughs> the, that's the difference. Such a huge difference. There are no baby face billionaires. I feel like I might have said that once before. Yeah. Um, and it's just like uh, it kind of it kind of be stressed that it's there's nothing wrong. He says through gritted teeth for aspiring to be rich. The teeth are still gritted. There's nothing wrong in that, right? But if you are already loaded, don't expect me to cheer you for rubbing that wealth in my face. Yes. If I've paid for a ticket or paid with my time, if I've invested in some way in you having that, show me a bit of in respect there. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to think of other comparisons I can use here before we conclude. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan, Formula One. He's, he's my pick. Whenever I see there's a race on, I'm not as you know involved in Formula One as I am in, say, obviously wrestling, but like football or something like that. But if there's a race on, I'll watch it, and I hope Lewis Hamilton wins. When Lewis Hamilton turns around and goes, oh, I'll tell you what, I've got it hard on Twitter. Oh, I'll tell you what, I have to go to Monaco or wherever, these tax havens, so I don't have to pay bloody tax. I don't think, yeah, good on you, Lewis. Yeah, bollocks. Who's who, 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 who sort of a chump to pay tax, eh? That <laughs> knocks him down a peg every time I see something like that. The same with, I mean, you, you've got an infamous rant on footballers that's done the round many, on many a time. Like, I love my football team, right? Chest, anyone says anything bad about Chesterfield, right? Not, I'll smash your teeth in, right? <laughs> but when I found out my football club were furloughing players to sign other players. Yeah, that, oh, God. That, that kind of stuck in my throat a little bit. That, that stuck in my craw. I, I, I thought, oh, I did the, the Mitchell and Webb. Are we, are we the baddies in the National League? <laughs> like, that's the comparison. And, and like, that came out. They didn't say, good news, everyone. We've put loads of players on furlough through this government scheme so we can sign some new strikers. That just came out. WWE would have him go, good news, everyone. Uh, your your baby-based WWE champion has made sure that they furloughed half the people who work in catering so that he can get a private jet to the next show. It's, it's just like, like I, I can't, I always feel like I have to get defensive about this. It's not, I was going to say, it's not that I'm a weathered socialist. I should say it's not just that I'm a weathered socialist. <laughs> but like, wrestling has done this right. So if it's not Ric Flair and his like heelish ways, this flexing of wealth, Steve Austin is always the example of how to do things right as a as a character. Christ, not as a real life person, but as a as a character, um, the Rocks, Lincoln, Con Lincoln Continental. What did he do? He rented out a monster truck and he crushed it. Vince McMahon, I can't remember the brand of that car, but you know, filled it full of Where cement. Was it, I think the Corvette. Thank you. Filled it full of cement till the windows popped. What a beautiful visual that is. I'm oh, going to watch that as soon as we finish recording. Push, like that those cars were there to be destroyed because steve austin is an everyman is a good guy bad bunny gets some very washable graffiti on his car and we're supposed to watch it and go come on get him get him bad bunny i'll, I'll wash it off here you go fight them i'll wash it i'll lick it off for you bad bunny <laughs> i just want to end on this becky lynch lived oh, rocky three she wore a fucking crown, right? I love her. She was great. She had that bloody personalised truck or whatever it was. She was wearing a crown and this 
killer was coming up and you were like, oh, it's the age old story. You've got self-indulgent. You've taken your eye off the ball. It happens in literally every field of, oh, I'm just going to rest on my laurels a bit. And this other person who's scratching and clawing. And they didn't do the right thing. They went, well, good news. Turns out you can enjoy all of the, the money that you've made and still beat some jump by a roll up at WrestleMania. Enjoy the crowd. See you later, everyone. I realize that's a point I've made time and time and time again, but it, it feels worth mentioning again here hamlet it's funny because i love the i love the apocrypha that vince mcmahon and hulk hogan apparently saw the original script to the turkey that was no holds barred and we're like what the hell is this tore it up and then wrote the whole thing again in a hotel room apparently with some stimulants mm-hmm. um to stay stay awake for 72 hours <laughs> so i wrote that in a you might say, in a stimulant-fueled bender and frenzy, they wrote what we got as no holds barred, men being held up by the pants and themselves, Hulk Hogan shagging women, his arse bouncing up. And like, they just wrote this all, like, it's just Vince McMahon theatre. I love the idea that he thought, if only I could have got the hands on Rocky Three, you could have done away with that third act. Why isn't he just knocked out Mr. T straight away? This club Lang flapping his gums, he needs Rocky, he needs Rocky's right hand, he does. We can get this wrapped in 60 minutes, lads, get out of here. Comes out in the comes out in the fur coat and doesn't even take it off. It's like batters him. Well, that's that dealt with. See you in Russia. Oh, I've really enjoyed taking WWE and just wrestling in general to task on this one, uh, and I feel like we will do it again very soon. Uh, but let us know your thoughts on wrestling cliches that have to go on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at. Michael Humphrey. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.